Disclaimer. The following podcast contains explicit language and adult content. The content may offend some listeners. Relax and don't be a hater. Hello. Welcome to a walk in the park podcast. (laughs) This is Riss. And this is Babs. And in our podcast, we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of wine, cake, laughter, friendship, success, families, fun, the extraordinary. We're happy you're listening. I can't stop laughing. <laughs> I love it. Let's just get this walk started, baby. Woo-woo. Hello, A Walk in the Park podcast listeners. This is Babs, and I'm here with a Babs mini-sode. Riss, MB, and I were supposed to record an episode together, but I got stuck out in Los Angeles, and therefore, that didn't happen. But I want to get in the practice of bringing some regular content every two weeks, so this is what I've got. Oh, I've got a meowing cat in the background. I don't know if you can hear him. Yes, Finn. What are your needs? And I'm back, currently on my mind, the climate crisis and what I can do to help and feel like I am making even a small difference. I have signed up for leadership training with the Climate Reality Project. This is a group that I made a year-end charitable donation to last year, but I want to find a way to do more than just donate money. Per the Climate Reality Project website, in 2022, extreme weather exacerbated by climate change resulted in more than $165 billion in damages in the United States alone. As extreme weather events become more frequent and intense, how concerned are you about the rising costs of climate change-related damages? Let's leverage the IRA and Infrastructure Act for Climate Action Now. This year, new climate laws are offer U.S. families, businesses, communities, and states major financial incentives and other tools to embrace clean energy solutions and help build a better tomorrow for all. Former U.S. Vice President Al Gore founded the Climate Reality Project to catalyze a global solution to the climate crisis by making urgent action a necessity across every sector of society. They recruit, train, and mobilize people of all walks of life to work for just climate solutions that speed energy transition worldwide and open the door to a better tomorrow for us all. According to an article published by the International Monetary Fund, the Inflation Reduction Act is the most significant piece of climate legislation in the history of the United States. It will deploy nearly $400 billion over the coming decade to slash carbon emissions. By lowering the cost of clean energy technologies, the law can accelerate their deployment not only at home but abroad. But to achieve its full climate potential, U.S. diplomats and trade officials must now ensure that the large subsidies and domestic manufacturing requirements in the law spur the right mix of competition and cooperation from other countries rather than feed the growing forces of protectionism that could stymie a clean energy transition. The reality is whether the average American sees this or not, and this is now me speaking, not um, sharing information or thoughts from the International Monetary Fund, is that even if the average American doesn't see it, uh, we are in a true climate crisis that has already gone off the rails. It's literally in cleanup mode now, not dissimilar to the recent train derailment in Ohio. 
You know, there's the problem of what caused the train to go off the tracks. And now there's the problem of, well, it's off the tracks and we're trying to clean it up. So I think the U.S. and countries around the world are trying to simultaneously address both of these facets of the crisis, because certain things have already been done or not done in the past that have put us in the situation where the train has derailed. However, you know, other trains keep leaving the station, and before they do, we want to make sure that we just don't find ourselves in a world where crashes just happen over and over and the world around us is damaged. A couple of things that I'm doing in addition to this leadership training, which I hope will provide me with even more ideas, is I've started using shampoo bars and conditioner bars to wash my hair. The product that I had been using, I would order it when I ran out. It came as a package and one bottle of shampoo, one bottle of conditioner, and the uh, new containers would always include a pump within each bottle. So I've collected all these pumps because they aren't really recyclable. Um, I could throw them in the recycling bin, of course, but I don't think that means anything would actually be done with them. There should be something, I should start something that sends these pumps back to the manufacturer so that they could reuse them. They're just pumps, for heaven's sake. Anywho, this way I will be buying less single-use plastic. Now, of course, I'm just one tiny person, but if you're going to make a difference, you have to start somewhere. So that's one thing I'm doing. I've also decided to help reduce single-use plastic. I'm not going to buy bottled water anymore. Um... I'm looking into getting, I mean, obviously we have water that comes out of the refrigerator, but sometimes that's just inconvenient, but I'm looking into getting us more friendly and fun water bottles to fill and carry on our own. And I might even get a water delivery service just to have easier access um, to that type of drinkable water and let's see, what else was I thinking of doing? Those are the two things off the top of my head. Oh, yes, we drink a lot of Gatorade and sports drinks, a lot of Gatorade Zero in this household, and I'm going to start buying larger containers of the beverage that, again, we'll put into, like, our Stanley or our Frank Green or our Yeti, although I will say Stanley and Frank Green are the current trendy popular um liquid containers here in our household, both owned by Vivian. Uh, we do have a number of Yetis too, but you know, they just don't seem as cool anymore. <sighs> it's all about the cool factor, right? Anywho, I will circle back with more of that eventually as well, but that is something that is currently on my mind. Also currently on my mind is this whole Chinese spy balloon debate. Was it a spy balloon, or as China claims, was it a weather balloon that veered off course? Honestly, sometimes these days in the world, you just wonder what is going to happen next. I guess I could see that you could use a balloon to spy, perhaps, but... I would like to know some of the inner workings of this balloon. Anyway, as we know, U.S. fighter jet shot down at least one balloon this month of February off the coast of South Carolina. I have not been following how many more might be out there. 
I don't know whether or not there will be any actual resolution of this mystery, but I know they recovered the Chinese spy balloon debris, but whatever they learned from it will probably be classified for years to come. I believe the official Chinese description of the spy balloon is an airship used as a civilian device for scientific research such as meteorology. But we'll see. Uh, We do know that it interrupted at least initially U.S.-Chinese relationships with Secretary of State uh, Blinken not going to a meeting that he had scheduled. But the reality is, of course, we have to do our best to stop people from spying on us, but we know that we also have spies and employ spying tactics around the world as well. It's just who we are as humans. This is what we do. I think my daughter Vivian should have a career in the CIA just because of her craftiness and her general intelligence, of course, and just her ability, I think, to move in and among people without being suspicious. But I don't know if she'll stick with that career path. She doesn't have one, really, and it sounded cool when I introduced it to her, but now I guess I mention it too much, especially recently in her college counseling slash academic advising meeting where we picked her classes for next year, and I insisted that Vivian had to be allowed to take AP government because she's going to have a career in the CIA. I guess I embarrassed Vivian because her college counselor didn't believe me and thought that that was a childhood dream. Of course, Vivian's only 15, so it's not like her childhood was that long ago. But they were trying to say, oh, well, you know, you can't take AP government. You have to take AP European history. Well, AP European history does not do a lot for Vivian. She is not looking to be a history major or anything related to history. And apparently here in Florida, you only have to take three years of social studies. So it's not like their idea that, oh, well, you know, you can take AP U.S. history next year and then AP government your senior year is really that important because maybe Vivian doesn't want to take four years of social studies if she can take something else. But, of course, your school offers certain APs, and you have to take certain APs to better improve your chances of getting into the college that you want to go to, which is a good segue to another thing that's currently on my mind. But I'm going to save that to the life share portion. No, let's just make it the life share portion now. I've already segued there. Uh, We were out in California last weekend, and we did a tour of UCLA, which is one of Vivian's top schools. And it was great. It made me feel a lot better about UCLA in general. I don't know. I just didn't think of UCLA as that interesting of a school. You know, so many family members have gone there. I was like, meh, you know, it's not a new location. But I was pretty excited. So, and I think uh, Vivian really enjoyed it as well. So, yes, with child number two, I am at the beginning of that journey yet again to get my kid into college. Currently consuming, I have started listening to Michelle Obama's new book, The Light We Carry. 
I had been avoiding it because it sounded more like self-help than anything else, but a close friend and I liked to buddy read books, and we both really enjoyed Becoming, so we thought we would give it a try. And so far, I am in Chapter 7. My friend is even a little further along, and we agree it is not really for us, but we are going to finish it. It is just too self-help. I can see, as can my friend, that maybe it would be inspiring to some people who are really struggling in their lives, struggling in their relationships, just their sense of self, where they are in their lives, um, which my friend and I are not currently. And it is interesting because, of course, Michelle Obama is not uniquely qualified, nor would she pretend to be, to talk about these topics. She's just sharing some of her life experiences and her philosophies, but obviously this is not her educational background, family, individual, therapy. Um, And I'd be curious how this book, The Light We Carry, came to be. My guess is that she got a multi-book deal and becoming was kind of her own personal journey story, and I'm not sure why this book took on this particular tone or approach. Did she really intend to set out to write the equivalent of a self-help book? Um, Obviously, as a famous person and former first lady, a lot of people are just interested in hearing what she has to say. They look up to her as a role model. I certainly like her, but I'm my own independent, strong person, and I would not call her a role model. I would just call her an interesting person whom I respect and uh, enjoyed her time when she served as First Lady. So that's my share for currently consuming. And, of course, how could I not discuss last week's Super Bowl Eagles versus Chiefs, which probably anybody listening to this knows the Chiefs won. It was a really hard Super Bowl for me, obviously, because I only ever want Tom Brady to be in the Super Bowl. I do not like the Eagles since they once beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl recently, even though he had beat them earlier in his career in the Super Bowl. So... Wasn't really keen for the Eagles to win and didn't want the Chiefs to win because I'm just sick of the comparisons of Patrick Mahomes as the GOAT to Tom Brady. Please just stop. Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback. If you can only be in the NFL for five years, retire, and have a Hall of Fame career, he clearly qualifies. Not taking anything away from Patrick, but he hasn't been to 10 Super Bowls, he hasn't won 7 of them, and he didn't hasn't played for 23 years and probably won't. So, ugh. anyway, my official comment on the game is the Eagles with their two pretty critical mistakes essentially gave it to the Chiefs. Uh the Chiefs did have the one mistake where their kicker missed a field goal attempt, but When uh, Jalen Hurts fumbled the ball and let the Kansas City defense score a touchdown, uh, you just can't do that in the Super Bowl. They would have needed it to be offset on the other side where the Chiefs also gave them the equivalent of a pick six or, in this case, a fumble six. And then that horrible kick by the Eagles kicker that gave the Chiefs ridiculously good field position. You just can't do that. So... I think 
both teams played comparably to one another and neither team seemed better than the other and that the Chiefs won because of those two mistakes that the Eagles made to their one. But anywho, enough about the Super Bowl. Who cares about any of it when Tom Brady and or the Patriots aren't in it? The end.